You're listening to Selfish. This is where we bring self-care and bravery together to encourage you to follow your dreams. Here is your host, your favorite selfish enthusiast, Allie Hembree-Martin. Allie Bjork's story is so inspiring. She was down to the last few dollars in her bank account, and a tiny offer, Facebook ads, and a ton of motivation turned her into a multi-millionaire. The beauty behind Allie's story is that she is taking the lessons that she learned through this journey and is sharing them with other entrepreneurs so that they can create their own tiny offer and transform their business. Take a listen. Allie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Allie. It's like Allie, Allie. (laughs) I know, I love it. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited about our conversation. Um, first, I would love for you to tell everyone about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for having me today. I'm really excited to be here. And to introduce myself officially, my name is Allie Bjork, and I am a visibility strategist and business coach. I help online entrepreneurs, experts, consultants, thought leaders, creatives to launch what I call tiny offer sales systems that attract high ticket buyers. I'm also a mother of three young children and we live in Northern Minnesota. And I've been a service provider for about six years prior to um, launching the info product side of my business. So I've learned tons about SEO, social media, website design, pretty much everything that you would want to know in this online business space. And when I finally applied what I'd learned from all of that learning to my own business and shifted my business model, I ended up making my first million in 10 months. And then so far this year, I've made 2.7 million in revenue. Which is amazing. And everybody that I tell your story to, I always say like, wow, isn't that incredible? And Like, I think that's what's like the amazing part about your story is people think that you came onto the scene so quickly and they're just like, oh my gosh, where did, where did this Allie Bjork come from? But like you said, like you spent years crafting those skills and really honing in on, on those marketing um, essentials that went into creating your first million. And then now more than that. So yeah. Let's start with the basics of kind of where this started. And, you know, you did really kind of revolutionize this whole process of a tiny offer. So define that for the audience as far as what is a tiny offer. So what I have affectionately named the tiny offer has previously been called a self-liquidating offer, or, I mean, some people even would call it a tripwire, which I never loved that name. So I had to change, (laughs) change the name, but essentially it is a low ticket offer, something less than $50 that you bring people in to your business with. It's a, a list building strategy. It's an ad strategy that helps you liquidate your ad spend so that you can spend limitless amounts on ads because you know, you're know you always gonna be making your money back and then some profit on the back end. But it's also a sales system that is a funnel. So there, there are multiple steps to it. You bring them in with this low ticket offer and then add an order bump on the order form. And then there's also a, a one-time offer or even two one-time offers that you add on the back end of the sales funnel. So it ends up being a higher average cart value which is where the profit comes in after running ads to it. So the, the piece that I feel like you really hit on with this is that you're building up an audience of buyers and not just running 
it adds to freebies that, like you said, aren't making you money on the front end, but then also aren't priming your audience to be buyers. So talk to us about why this is important, like in the long term. I know, I know immediately people can think like, oh, well, I can just run a freebie and get 500 new names on my email list. Why is that not the best strategy? Absolutely. So there's that old saying that people who pay, pay attention. And we've really seen that uh, play true in the last 18 months since I've been running this tiny offer is that before when I used to market my business, leads would trickle in, right? Like I was, I would be, I would do a podcast interview and I'd maybe get like two people opt into my email list or I'd do a summit and I'd get, you know, like five people join my email list. So it grew, it was growing really, really slowly. And the people that were joining based off of the the free PDF that I was offering, they weren't engaged with my business at all. And I've heard this echoed across the industry for years is that, you know, people they're like downloading my freebie and then I never hear from them again. And I know from my own personal experience and just chatting with people that I often would download a freebie and like put it in a folder and be like, okay, I'm going to come back to this later when I have time. And then you forget that you ever downloaded it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Then they email you and you're like, who the heck is this person? And why are they in my inbox? So it's the, when you lead with a paid offer, people want to get their money's worth for, I mean, even if it's $27, they want to log in and, and check out what they just bought. So then they're watching your videos, they're consuming your content, you're solidifying your position in their brain as the expert, as the person that they'll remember, you know, that whole top of mind awareness thing that we hear about all the time, this strategy really helps solidify that for your ideal buyers. Okay. And you utilize Facebook ads to really drive that tiny offer. But if somebody's just getting started, because you were there one, once, one day too, um, 100%. how do you utilize those Facebook ads to reach the people that you really want to connect with uh, to buy your tiny offer? So one thing that I encourage people that I've coached through this process is try to get your first 100 sales or so organically, because then you have proof of concept. You have, you have uh, people who have raised their hand as willing to pay money for it. So you know that when you run your ads, like this is a viable product and people are interested in it, but you know, it can be hard for some people who have never run ads before because there is that testing process of trying to figure out who your audience is, you know, who should you target, what should your ads say, what what is the messaging across the board. So I think really most importantly is getting that proof of concept nailed down first. And you can do that with, um, you know, on your own, your own social media feeds, you can do partnerships with people that you know that want to do like a little class together. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can get some of those sales organically and then use the money that you're making from your initial organic launch to seed your ad spend for when you are testing and you're, you know, sometimes that testing phase can take a few weeks to get it dialed in for a new product. Okay. I love that. That's great advice. Now for people that are just really, that are listening to this and haven't actually got, gotten into the entrepreneurial journey themselves, I'm curious because I, I know that it may seem like a daunting task for people to go out on their own. So I think there's a lot of barriers to break down with becoming an entrepreneur, but what would be your best advice for somebody that's just looking to to go into that world? I think that one of the biggest things that I did 
eight years ago when I was just starting, because as we talked about, this has been a, a long journey <laughs> for me. But yeah. when I first started, I was terrified of video uh, or like putting my face on video. Back then it was Skype, doing Skype calls. Zoom wasn't as much of a thing yet. But yeah, uh-huh. uh, I kept identifying where I was blocked and where my beliefs were keeping me stuck or where my fear was keeping me stuck. And I knew that I would be able to get more customers if I was willing to get on video calls for like the interview process. And at that time I was managing social media for people, um, but I refused to get on video. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this is the the thing that's holding me back is my ability to go on video interviews. So I decided to really step out of my comfort zone and force myself to get comfortable on video. And I started asking people in different entrepreneurial Facebook groups if they wanted to have coffee chats, like no, no pitching, no, you know, not really talking about our businesses specifically, but just to connect. And I think I did like 30 coffee chats in a period of two weeks. And by the end of those, even though I wanted to cancel every single call because I was so nervous, I ended up doing all of them. And, and then I wasn't afraid of camera anymore, you know? So it's like, I identified the place where I was stuck and I pushed myself through that, that block, through that boundary. And I've just continued to do that for the past eight years. Like every time I, I feel uncomfortable, I just run forward as fast as I can because I know that's the next like barrier I need to jump over. So for people who are just getting started, I mean, it might, it's, it might take really looking at their beliefs and and looking at why do I think that I'm not capable of doing this? Is it that I don't think there, there's enough desire for what I want to create? Do I think I can't reach enough people to get my first couple customers and then just start putting yourself out there and connecting with, um, as many people as you can in talking about what you have to offer, because it's really what, when I started, it was really based in building those relationships. And even though I was terrified to connect with people, I just got on and I asked them a ton of questions about themselves. And all of a sudden, like these 30 people that I connected with, even if they didn't need social media, it turned into this referral engine where even though I only asked them questions about themselves for 30 minutes or whatever, they were like, Oh, Allie does social media. You should talk to Allie. Allie can Mm -hmm do all this stuff for you. And like, it wasn't even meant to be a pitch, but it turned into this huge referral engine just because I connected with this big group of people. I love that. That feels like such like a grassroots tip. Like anybody can do that. Like anybody listening, you can do that. Um, But I think you're right. Like you have to overcome a lot of hurdles and mind blocks to get there because most people don't want to set those up and go through them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about brick and mortar style businesses, how, how those get off the ground, it's not so different from online businesses. Like you go to networking events, you shake hands with people, you give them your business card, you let them know you exist essentially, and then they can refer business to you or hire you themselves. So if you can recreate that environment online using coffee chats, that can be a really good way to start getting your name out there. And it's so much easier than you would think to get. So if you figure out how much money you would need to make to get your business off the ground. And then I think when I first started, I thought I needed 10 social media clients at like $250 a month. That was the number I was like, if I can just make $2,500 a month, I will be set. Like I can quit my mm-hmm. job. I can pull my kids out of daycare. And, and I realized managing 10 clients at $250 a month is really hard. So maybe I should do five clients at $500 a month. And I just kept, I mean, by the end, when I had finally transitioned out of doing like social media marketing and website design, because I added that in too, um, I was at like $1,500 a client, I think. So it's, you just keep 
expanding your comfort levels, even when it comes to pricing. And it's so much easier. It's There's so much need in this field for all sorts of different tech positions or assisting positions. And, you know, even when you specialize in digital marketing or social media or ad setup, like you will always have an abundance of customers once you put yourself out there as someone who can do this kind of work. Yeah, that's great advice, Allie. I love that. When you think about your journey over the last seven, eight years, what has been your favorite part? I am a total extrovert. So I would say connecting with people. And I, I love, like, I'm the creepy person that goes to stores and like really enjoys overhearing people's conversations and just like studying (laughs) interactions and what makes people tick and what makes them make the buying decisions that they do. You know, like I'm a total marketer and a total people studier. So I think that's been my favorite part from the beginning is just really getting to connect with people and hear their stories. And even now when I'm, I'm coaching students and they're like, you know, I just, I want to do this so I can take care of my parents or I want to, you know, like pull my kids out of daycare. And like, I just, I'm so inspired every time I get to hear the background of the why, um, why people are starting their businesses or why they're so driven. And I think that's by far my favorite part is the connection. Let's flip that on its head. What's your least favorite part? Uh, I think like, I don't know. I mean, there's a few, this has been a year of like rapid growth for me. So I think the top of mind would be just the challenges of, of feeling like you have no idea what you're doing, which I guess I felt like that for eight years now, but like just, Mm -hmm. just realizing that, you know, everyone's kind of figuring it out. And I'm a, I go critical. I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you study Enneagram. Yeah. Oh yes. I'm I'm a one. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I think my biggest challenge or the biggest thing I struggle with is not celebrating my wins and just continuing to drive forward, but also having a very critical voice of like, why haven't you done this yet? Why is this taking so long? Why, why have you not, you know, profited a million dollars yet? Why are, you know, expenses happening? So it's just like scaling uh, a business and realizing what's normal and what's not normal. And fortunately heading into 2021, I've joined a mastermind of people that are at a similar level of business and and I'm learning what's normal and what's not normal, but it can be very lonely when you grow extremely quickly and, and feel like people don't relate to you anymore or they feel, you feel misunderstood maybe, or it's hard to talk about like when you are successful and, and maybe your peer group that you used to be your best friends or even in real life friends, people don't quite understand what's happening in your life anymore. And it can just mm-hmm. be a little bit of a lonely journey to keep yeah. I can appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I think too, you have this pressure and this expectation that you do have it all figured out because we, we all look at you as you're, you're so successful and you've figured it out. And the only reason you are this successful is because you've gotten to that pinnacle. But I mean, just as you mentioned, there's always a layer of once you get there, Mm-hmm. You've got the next goal in mind. You've got the next set of challenges to overcome and figure out. So you're never done per se. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just, I think there's a quote that's like new level, new devil, which I have a mindset. <laughs> like, I don't want you to say that it's new, new level, new uh, opportunities or some, some shift that she, yes, yes. That made it feel better, but positive you know, mindset, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's like that with anything in life that part of it is just learning to enjoy the the process. I mean, whether it's like eating right and working out instead of being so results driven, it's like really finding joy in the experience of it and the 
and loving the process instead of being so goal oriented. I think that's a, a big shift that I'm working on personally too. So if somebody would like to work with you, Allie, what does that look like and what, what are the next steps for them? Yeah, so I have a few different layers at which I serve clients. And one of the entry points um, for someone who's, I guess, probably more in the starting realm is uh, my membership group, which is called uh, Rich Life Lab. And it's all about really optimizing your time, your energy, and your money and, and finding finding the joy in the process of growing an online business. So that's the entry point. That's a membership that I have. And then my signature program where I coach people through creating their tiny offers, that's called tiny offer lab. Apparently I love the lab words, but, <laughs> it, but it works. Yeah. Yep. And then in 2021, I'm also opening a high-end mastermind that wait for it is called impact lab. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think that that's going to be super powerful for um, for your students, but then also others that want to learn from you and want to, um, you know, imitate your journey and, um, and, and grow from your, your learning lessons along the way. So um, I love that. That's great. Um, is there anything you wish you could be doing more? I, right now I'm super driven towards legacy, like creating that legacy impact. So anything that I make profit wise in the business, I'm investing into long-term, um, I guess more passive income style stuff. So like real estate and, um, investments like stocks and stuff. So I'm really trying to learn about that world of like, how do I expand this beyond just my business and, and really create that legacy for my children. And my husband's still working full-time. Fortunately, he loves what he does. So it's, there's no urgency in like quote unquote, retiring him or you know, like moving him into a different job. But we definitely have longer term goals of having more freedom and flexibility. So we can, you know, go travel Europe for a couple months or something like that. So, so more spaciousness in what I'm doing. I, I've always been a little anti-hustle, but really being able to remove myself from the business for months at a time is something that I'm working towards in the future. And speaking of the future, what is next for Allie? In 2021, I am writing a book um, and publishing the book that's all about, um, you know, just different options in the work at home space. And I would love for every woman mother to have some kind of side hustle just so that they can start investing in creating freedom and flexibility for their own families. But really, I have a lot of friends that don't even realize this world exists. So making it more common knowledge that there are options that don't include four-year degree, 40-hour work week, commutes, you know, I think just making it much more well known that this industry or this like online economy is definitely growing and it's a really viable option to be able to easily design your, your life and choose your clients and live a lot more intentionally as families. So that's the book concept. Um, and that will be hopefully coming out this year, depending on how fast I can write it. <laughs> and then um, also launching that high-end mastermind. And hopefully, hopefully if we can all gather in person again, doing some in-person um, retreats and stuff like that this year. Wow. I love it. Um, Allie, you're so, like, I just 
love your energy and love how you operate your business and um, share your knowledge with others and genuinely want to help them succeed as well. So I appreciate that. Thank you for that. And thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. My pleasure. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. Like what you just heard? Visit us at SelfishThePodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes today.